What's up, guys? Max, you're back with a brand new episode of the Scuttlebutt Show. I hope wherever you're doing, wherever you are, you're all having a great day, a great, I hope you had a great weekend. I hope your Monday's off to a good start. What's up to everybody in the chat and what's up to everybody listening out there on the podcast, wherever you're listening to, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you are, I just hope that you're having a great day. What's up, Eviana? And yes, sir, in the chat, it is great to have you guys here with us as we kick off a brand new week. And what a weekend I had. What a weekend. I mean, it was absolutely spectacular. I'll tell you what, I had a blast visiting some old, with some old friends and linking up with some of our Okinawa friends who came out to San Diego with us. Went on down to a little spot, a good favorite of ours called Protector Brewery. I'm rocking the shirt right now. San Diego's only and first organic beer brewery. And not only that, not only is it awesome because it's organic, so if you're a beer drinker, uh, if you like to, to dabble and experiment with your, uh, your hops and barley, I recommend checking it out. But it's also founded, owned, and operated by a Navy SEAL named Sean Haggerty, who we've had on this show a couple times. And I'm going to give you guys quick, this is just some free advertising, no sponsorship. Sean doesn't know that I'm doing this. I just love what they do, and I love the organization. So let me jump over and show you guys the website here. If you listen on the podcast, you can head over to protectorbrewery.com. Here's their website. They have a organic certified beer. They brew out in Miramar, or as they like to call it, Biramar. Uh, they have vegan beer. I had one yesterday called the Warfighter, which is absolutely delicious. Uh, even though I don't normally drink IPAs, um, this beer, I had the IPA. I thought it was super good. I can actually drink there. So I'm not even a fan of IPAs. Maybe you're like me, maybe you're not, but I liked it a lot. Um, so they had a little party. They were calling it kegs and eggs yesterday. And like I was just saying a second ago, Sean's been on our show and I have a little clip pulled up. Uh, if you don't recognize this person on your screen, it's Sean Haggerty in the middle, myself on the uh, left side, viewer left, and then Van, my buddy Van, who used to co-host a show with me back in the day, but he's on to bigger and better things. So let me just play a quick clip here. Yeah, everything is USDA certified organic. We're the only organic beer company in Southern California. Wow. And we, we entered the market and everybody was like, well, so why are you doing organic? Is it like a marketing ploy or anything like that? We're like, you know, honestly, no. I mean, we, we really do believe in organic. And I just saw a post by Michelob Ultra. They're doing a beer with made with organic barley. We support anybody who's transitioning to become organic. And it was what we truly believe in. But also, too, there's about 100 restaurants or grocery stores that are focused on organic between here and L.A. So there is a need for it. That's great. Yeah. So you guys can go check out Protector Brewery or ProtectorBrewery.com to check out the website where you can find out more information. And if you do, let them know Max from the Scuttlebutt Show sent you. And uh, and they won't give you a discount or anything like that, but it'll be cool to, to bring it all together. Sean Haggerty is a badass and awesome dude. He's a Navy SEAL. He served in Iraq during the uh, peak fighting over there. He was also uh, one of the coaches on the show The Selection, where he put wannabe... Uh, special forces people through a selection style process over the course of several weeks to see if anybody out there could cut it. And it was pretty a pretty good show. So with all that being said, let me once again welcome you guys into a brand new and exciting week full of great stories. I have one for you today that is a mystery that is going to absolutely blow your mind. It's blown mine and, uh, and it's still unsolved. So maybe we at the Scuttlebutt Show can solve it. Additionally, I have some tragic stories to cover. And at the end, we're going to talk about my man, Adam Driver, and his new movie coming out. As you know, he's a Marine. Uh, he's a Marine. And, <laughs> and we'll get to that. So the first things first, I'm the realist. I, cannot, I can never say first things first without thinking of Iggy Azalea. First things first, a tragic story out of, out of uh, the United States um, in Baltimore, a veteran um, met a horrible fate. Let's talk about today's first story and get the rough ones out of the way. It's just crazy what's happening in America right now. Filipino veteran, 60 years old, dies after being assaulted, robbed while bringing in groceries to his Baltimore home. And we're seeing this stuff more and more. What a horrible time to live in the United States where you can't even go to the grocery store without getting jumped, robbed, and killed. 
Victor Malaba Yabis, 60 years old, was on the 600 block of South Kenwood Avenue in Canton when he, an unidentified man asked him for a tissue at 5.40 p.m., 17.40 on August 20th. So this is about nine days ago. When the victim went to give the male a tissue, the male grabbed the victim by the shirt and pushed him against the vehicle and then to the ground. The suspect then removed the victim's wallet. So as this veteran is laying there dying, he was robbed. It's truly sick. According to Malavi Abbas's neighbor, the robbery took place while he was bringing in groceries into his house. The witness called the police and started yelling before the neighbors came out to help him. He was treated by medics at the scene and taken to a hospital where he later succumbed to his injuries. Probably, a, I imagine, a head injury. Malavi Abbas moved to the U.S. from the Philippines in 1996 and then served in the U.S. Navy for more than a decade, which means including the War on Terror. He is remembered as a well-known volunteer and fixture in the local Catholic church activities in Southeast Baltimore. Because Victor was so well-known and so well-loved, everybody right now is in sort of a state of shock, disbelief, and we're all trying to wrap our heads around what has happened to Victor. Reverend Dennis Grumsey of St. Casimir Church told the news. He's one in a million who will be sorely missed. Napoleon Kuramang, a friend of Malabi Abbas's from the Philippine Merchant Academy, a very giving person, and unfortunately, that's what did him in as he gave somebody a tissue. It is really bad, hard for us that his kindness was the one that took him out of this world. Yeah, knowing Victor, he's a forgiving guy, but justice has to be served. I agree. They currently uh, don't have a suspect in custody. They're searching for a suspect. So I hope that they find him in my hearts with the family here. And, uh, you know, I've said this before on the show, especially during the peak of the rioting in the United States, which is it's not enough to be... Uh, you're not a criminal. We have to be anti-crime. And more than ever, it's important that we look out for ourselves, our families, and each other out there in the public. So if you're an able-bodied person, I encourage you to uh, you know, study martial arts. I've recently restarted taking jujitsu classes. I, uh, I'm, I'm always vigilant. I always have my head on a swivel while I'm out there walking around on the streets. I've lost friends to street violence in the last few years. I've lost several. It is, it is no joke. It's not uh, as rare of a thing as you used to be, and you have to be prepared to uh, face it someday. You really do. He always had a great smile as he helped out in church during masses. Jacqueline Fields, an organizer of the GoFundMe, said he has a wife and two children. He worked two jobs along with all of his volunteering, and he's just a good man. This was a senseless crime, and now a good man with a family had to leave his wife and children without him. Please help this family. They, along with the community, are heartbroken by this loss. And I'm heartbroken, too. So let me know if you guys are have any connected connection out there to Baltimore, if you've heard anything about this. And if there's any updates on this, uh, I will keep you guys updated. But an absolute tragic story here of a Navy veteran who served honorably for over a decade, who was just out shopping when he was robbed and killed. Really bad. Really bad. Um, not okay. Not by a long shot. And uh, and when's enough enough? You know, I, I don't have to tell you guys that that was probably not a first time offender. Not only that, but I doubt that person, even when they're caught, will spend much time in jail because things are just getting so bad, especially in cities like Baltimore. Please get out of these dangerous cities before something like that happens to you. That's all I can think I can say. Yes, sir. Glad I was here for that. I'm talking to my recruiter about an 18 x-ray contract, hopefully shipping before the 30th. Congratulations. Yes, sir. An 18 x-ray contract is very cool. Um, if you uh, if you do get an 18 x-ray contract, I would recommend uh, watching the YouTube channel FNG Academy. Um, Buck, Sean Buck Rogers, really cool dude. I've talked to him a little bit. I've read his book and uh, and he's not really doing as much of it anymore, but he was doing a lot of uh, 18 x-ray uh uh, SFAS prep. So enjoy that. Sam, what's up? Great to see you. And Tiffany Sanchez in the chat. Hi, everyone. Long time no see. What did I miss? Except you. I missed you, Max, and everyone here. Thank you, Tiffany. It's great to see you. And uh, yeah, there's a lot to catch up on, I guess. There's a lot to catch up on in the last few months, but there's also a lot, lot to catch up on in the last few days as uh, the army, you know, I'm going to, I'm about to go hard on the army here for about uh, four stories in a row. Um, it's like an army anthology that's about to happen over here. But we got to get started with uh, something kind of sad developing out of uh, army boot camp here. You guys might have seen this floating around, but the information is still developing. It's a developing story, but uh, something just kind of unthinkable. 17-year-old soldier serving with her twin sister dies after collapsing at Fort Jackson Jackson in boot camp, um, basic combat training. It is, uh, that's a horrible thing. That's a horrible thing. A 17-year-old Pennsylvania Army National Guard 
member died after collapsing during physical training at Fort Jackson in South Carolina. Private Alyssa Cahoon was training with her twin sister for the Pennsylvania Army National Guard. She collapsed on August 20th during a training exercise. Cahoon was transported by Fort Jackson and Medical Emergency Services to a hospital, but died five days later. Knowing that she collapsed and then died five days later at first makes me think of a heat injury. Her death was confirmed by 1st Battalion, 34th Infantry. It is with great sadness that we announced the passing of PFC Alyssa Cahoon. The regiment said in a Facebook post on Friday, she passed away last night, 25 August, with her family by her bedside. We extend our deepest sympathies to the family members and teammates of the deceased soldier, U.S. Army Training Center, Fort Jackson Commander, Brigadier General Patrick Michael said, we are providing every comfort and assistance that we can to all involved. The two sisters were recruited in Pennsylvania, and they were both human resource specialists. Their company's graduation took place Thursday. How cool is it that they get to go through basic combat training together? They qualified on their rifles back with backup iron sights today. The regiment wrote on Facebook last month, sharing a photo of the two sisters training. Fort Jackson is the Army's largest training installation, training 50% of the Army's basic combat training load, as well as 60% of women. The Army is conducting an investigation. So if you guys aren't familiar, and I'm not exactly sure that this is the case, but based on the fact that there are 17, people joining joining the National Guard can actually go to boot camp, I believe, the summer before they graduate high school. And then when they graduate high school, they can actually you know, become active duty members of the, or active reserve, if you guys pick it up what I'm putting down, members of the National Guard. I don't know that that's the situation here. They could have just been people who, graduate high school at 17, as opposed to, you know, some people turn, depending on the year you're born and the year you start school and all that stuff. Uh, but it looks like the people over there, the social media managers were using this story of twins as joining as battle buddies and going to boot camp together as kind of a, you know, a public affairs story until one of the trainees collapsed. Obviously boot camp is, you know, maybe it's not as hard as it used to be, but it's still boot camp. You're still doing some PT. You're still doing a lot of time outside. You're marching on the parade grounds. You're standing in the sun. A lot of waiting around in the heat. And you don't exactly have the most comfortable clothes on. You do. They try to get you to drink a lot of water, but they, you don't necessarily stay completely well hydrated or well nourished, depending on how you're eating and how you're feeling and if you're sick and all this stuff. So what do you guys think? Do you think this was a heat injury casualty type situation or was it something else, uh, undiagnosed medical condition. What do you, what do you, what do you guess could have been going on here? It's just a really sad story. And I'm really sorry for the family out there. Let me know what you guys think about this one in the comments down below. Really sad, really sad. John Franco in the chat. What is up? It is great to see you guys. I hope everyone out there as well. Uh, Harry Lime Pie gifted a membership to yes, sir, which is incredible. And Harry is just the king over here. Um, if you guys are listening on the podcast, Feel free to go over to YouTube or Patreon linked in the description and check out the membership programs if you want to support this channel and the growth that we're on uh, to become a bigger and better YouTube presence, then you know you can. You can. Or you can shop at scuttlebuttshow.com and buy yourself some cool merch. Kitty, what's up? I guess the sudden adult death syndrome everyone around the world suddenly has. Yeah, I know. Um, that that could be it too, as opposed to sudden infant. Eviana says, stay hydrated. John says, Likely heat-related. It's been way too hot down south this summer. It has been really hot. I'm sweating right now in my air-conditioned home doing this show because it just gets so intense here on the Scuttlebutt Show. Mm, it's going to continue to get intense and heated on the Scuttlebutt Show here because I have a another another big story. Um, it's uh, And then I have a couple that are a little bit longer today. I want you guys to be prepared. A couple stories that are a little bit longer, but I find totally fascinating. Uh, two of them are, are like insane. Coming up, I've got two stories that are insane. One about a, uh, a army soldier turned criminal and one about a uh, veteran who passed away recently under incredibly mysterious circumstances. But before we get to that, we have to talk about our next crazy, out of control, bad behaving, uh, veteran soldier that we have out there. Uh, and that's this story right here. Indicted Fort Bliss soldier tells federal agents he made automatic weapons converters in his barracks room. Um, I don't got to tell you guys that, uh, that is typically 
against uh, army policy there. So a forklift soldier was indicted Wednesday on charges he had been 3D printing accessories to convert firearms into fully automatic ones in his barracks room at the West Texas Army base, according to FBI field office in El Paso. Specialist Grant Lee Mosley, who is 25 years old, keep that in mind for a later story today, is charged with manufacturing and dealing in firearms without holding a federal license. Yeah, should be uh, should go without saying that you can't do that, but I guess some people don't know. Converting a legal firearm to be fully automatic is illegal in the United States. I can't believe somebody would, in good faith, say that they don't know that. Mosley, assigned to the 1st Armored Brigade Combat Team, solicited funding for his business in June through his Facebook account, according to court documents filed in Western District of Texas, which makes him today's clown of the day. So he posted the following to his Facebook page. Who wants to help me start my business? He wrote, a gun manufacturing business. He posted on Facebook that he wants to start a gun manufacturing business and he just needs some money from some buddies. The machine I need, he goes on to say, with all the parts and components is 3,500. The machine will allow me to do AR-15s, AR-10s, P-80s, 911s, and AK-47s right from the start. Yeah, you don't got to be exactly a genius to know that you probably shouldn't go on Facebook to announce, hey, I'm starting a, a, a drug smuggling business. I'm start, starting a counterfeit money business, and all I need is the counterfeit money printer. Can anybody loan me some money? Use the Facebook Donate Cash app right below to help me out. He also used social media messages platforms to advertise and sell conversion devices, commonly referred to as switches and auto sear. Sear is the thing that engages the firing uh, pin when you pull the trigger. Uh, correct me in the chat if that didn't make any sense across the United States in violation of law. According to the court documents, agents posed as potential buyers sending money to Mosley through a smartphone application. So the agents were like, Hey, can I get some of those automatic weapons? And he was like, yes, absolutely. Help me farm some tomatoes on my Farmville account. And you got it. And then he posted that to his Facebook account. And I just made that part up in receipt mosley sent the items which were found to have his fingerprints on them genius according to court documents in one transaction agents paid $400 for five fully automatic auto sears in a stakeout of mosley at his forpless barracks and this is in the barracks i repeat the investigators witnessed him throwing trash into a dumpster that contained receipts for shipping the items through the us postal service couldn't even get a shredder Investigators executed a search warrant on July 30th at an El Paso storage unit. He rented about 12 minutes from the nearest gate on the Fort Bliss. Oh, my God. There, agents found and seized the 3D printer and the filaments used to print formed objects, including full auto sears. This guy is so stupid. Mosley was interviewed August 2nd and admitted he had previously printed the items in his barracks and sold them online. He also told investigators that he had moved into an apartment in El Paso where he had three firearms, one of which had the sear installed and was therefore fully automatic. He said he'd also tested his products and that they worked. I wonder where he was testing them. That'd be a whole other person you can prosecute. Mosley enlisted in the Army in May 2019 as a combat engineer. Who were combat engineers? He arrived at Fort Bliss six months later as his first duty station. The base did not provide his current unit. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Mosley enlisted in the Army in May 20... Oh, sorry. I just read that part. Army CID assisted the FBI on this case. Today's arrest underscores CID's unrelenting resolve to hold accountable anyone within our ranks who engages in criminal criminal activity, said Ray Reyos. Come on, Ray Reyos is definitely a fake name. That's an undercover name. Acting special agent in charge of the Southwest Field Office of the Army CID. That's like when you have to make up a name and you're like uh, Roger Rogers. This case is another example of CID's commitment to our law enforcement partners to make our communities safe. So, Good job to the enforcement agents out there because we can't have soldiers printing automatic weapons in their barracks rooms for obvious reasons. Let me know what you think about that in the comments. Warner Wu, what is up? I don't know. Is if the, on Twitch, if the screen's black, I apologize. I'm not sure why that is. We're broadcasting clear and uh, as day over on um, YouTube. I'm not sure why unless... Uh, Twitch is blocking me because I'm also on YouTube. That could be a potential reason. But feel free to come over and check me out on YouTube or Facebook or uh, LinkedIn if you want to watch. And thank you for your comment. I'm doing great today. Um, you know, or I don't know. I don't even know. Sometimes I don't even know. 
you've got soldiers printing machine guns. You've got them, you know, dropping out in boot camp. You've got, you know, veterans getting killed on the street. You've got people out there like Tom Holland, like Tom Holland playing a Marine turned bank robber. And then you've got the real thing, like this next story here. Underdeveloped brain led to 2006 bank heist jailed ex-Ranger claims, but it gets a lot better than that. It gets a lot better than that. Former U.S. Army Ranger Luke Summer has spent the last 15 years in Florida's Coleman II Maximum Security Federal Prison, which is a pretty serious place to get locked up. The dual U.S.-Canadian citizen was sentenced to 24 years 24 years in 2008 for orchestrating a 2006 bank heist in Tacoma, Washington, in which summer two other Rangers and two Canadians stormed the building with rifles, body armor, and grenades before making off with $54,000 in just two and a half minutes after entering the bank. Sorry guys, we got spammed and I have to, uh, Block that. All right. I'll pick up right where we left off. By the way, you would only get probably about uh, 24 days for doing that same crime in 2022. So I'm not really sure why uh, why they would you know continue to put him in there for that long, um, considering that now you could rob a bank, uh, kill a bunch of people, and probably get about 24 hours in jail. Summer was apprehended after a witness identified the getaway car's license plate, which was then traced to Fort Lewis. Oh, my God. Now that's joint base Lewis McCord. So you rob the bank in your own car, which then they found on base. Genius. He was she was slapped with 24 years for his role. He claimed that that when he was sentenced, he claimed that he robbed that bank to protest war crimes overseas. He said that he was so sick of these war crimes overseas that he had to rob the bank with Canadians. Now you don't have to probably be a, a, a psychiatrist to know that that's either crazy or a lie. So they went on to sentence him for a pretty long time, but that sentence of 24 years turned into 44 years in 2010, only less than two years later, when in jail, he tried to kill his co-defendant using a shank. He solicited a hitman for twenty thousand dollars to murder murder the prosecutor in his case. An additional prison time was ordered when the hitman turned out to be an undercover FBI agent. Another win for the FBI today after some big losses last week here on the Scuttlebutt Show. Now, thirty six summers petitioning the U.S. District Judge James Robart for a reduced sentence that would end his latest sentence in twenty twenty eight. Summers' argument: it was uh, not exactly off of good behavior. He filed a 45-page motion in June. Summer contested that his actions as a 20-year-old were orchestrated by his brain that in an average male does not fully develop until 25 years old. Uh, that is brilliant. That is genius. Yes, let's go. I, too, I, too, want all of my dumb things I ever did before I was 25 erased. So let's see how this plays out. Bold move, Cotton. Let's see how it works out for him. While his conduct was extremely serious, his sentence overstates his offense conduct, Summer wrote using the third person. Summer's extraordinary rehabilitation provides strong support for his release, decreasing his likelihood of reoffending or posing a danger to the community. I don't know how they come up with that conclusion, they being him talking about himself. In addition to a traumatic childhood and heroin addiction, he has admitted to using drugs behind bars. Summer, who says he's now sober and mentoring other inmates, pointed toward combat experience in Iraq and Afghanistan, including claims that he was involved in the rescue mission of Navy SEAL Marcus Luttrell as a catalyst for his actions. That could be true. Um, that could be true because there were rangers that went out and rescued him, and that time frame is possibly accurate. I don't know. It doesn't say if it's true. For months, Summer had lived, eaten, and trained with SEALs. The loss of friends and acquaintances, along with his adverse childhood experiences, resulted in Summer developing severe PTSD, which he still deals with to this day. That is all possible. Uh, SEALs and Rangers and you know Special Forces units work together all the time, so that's possible. I'm not going to try to sit here and say that there's no uh, you know substance for that claim. 
Accompanying the motion were 200 pages of endorsements from other inmates, guards, and program managers who have crossed paths with Summer during his incarceration. Prosecutors, meanwhile, have been less than keen to believe the presented argument of neurological evolution. <laughs> his criminal conduct was serious, violent, and persisted over years, the U.S. attorney Teal Luthi Miller said in a Seattle Times report. He led a team of armed bank robbers and possessed illegal destructive devices. Then, after he fled to Canada and was eventually extradited, he assaulted a co-defendant in prison. Judge Robar is reportedly considering allowing someone to present oral arguments. If, by some stretch of the imagination, he is able to convince the court that he did this because he was young, I imagine that would have incredible ripples throughout the whole justice system. Because then, and, and actually, if he does this up in Washington, maybe he gets away with it because the justice system is just that loony nowadays that he could actually say, potentially, that the reason he did this is he was young. And now, if you're under 25, you cannot go to jail because whatever you did is not your fault because you're just young. What do you guys think about that? Let me know in the comments. Whoa. Could you imagine? Could you imagine just being young means that you can't commit a crime? It's like... It's kind of like, uh, it makes me think of the way that we have special rules for special circumstances. Like the way that the only thing that you cannot consent to when drunk is uh, intercourse. You can consent to anything else except for intercourse. You can consent to violent crime. You can consent to DUI. You can consent to a bank loan. You can consent to gambling. You can consent to basically anything. Uh, there are stipulations like bars can get in trouble for over-serving you. Um, there are like a little things like that. But for the most part, you you anything you do is your fault, except for very special circumstances. And we really cherry pick those. We really do. As as and by we, I mean kind of like these things that these accepted social standards that we live with, including laws, which are not just social standards, they're, they're legal standards. And we just say, hey. We're going to go with this, except for in this one case, and we can't, we don't have any logical reason to not do it. We're just going to go with that. Like, except for here, uh, it doesn't count here. If they let this guy go for being young when he committed his crime, that's his argument. His brain wasn't fully developed. That's a scientific argument. That would apply to everybody under 25, every guy under 25 years old. Then you would have to just let everyone go who committed a crime before 25 years old because they can't be held accountable for that crime because they didn't have a whole brain yet. Oh, man. Ancient neophyte says, by that logic, we shouldn't hire anyone under 25. That's a great point. How can you join the military if you're under 25? Because if you're under 25, you can't join the military. You can't make good decisions. You don't even have a brain yet. That's a quite, a, quite an argument. Quite a compelling argument right there. I will be following this case closely. Uh... Maybe I say that a lot. I love, I just I kind of forget about a lot of things. You know, if if he gets off, that could change everything in a bad way. I think we'll see. We'll see. Should the legal age of adulthood be twenty five instead of eighteen? I don't know. I don't know. Pro hero, great to see you. Sounds like this ranger hired a sea lawyer. Yeah, it sure does. John says rental vehicle costs drop at twenty five and nuggets. I hope you enjoyed your study time. You, by the way, you should spend more than one day studying for your SAT. Um, it's probably uh, something you want to do multiple days. So if you missed the show on Friday studying for your SAT, I hope you, I don't hope you miss more shows, but I hope you spend more than one day studying for your SAT. All right. Moving forward. Moving forward. There is a developing story out of Fort Hood. Shocker. We never have those. Um, this one's fun. This one's fun. Fort Hood. Self-proclaimed Fort Hood soldier arrested after accepting smuggling job through, you guessed it, TikTok. Got that TikToky. People using social media to get people to commit horrible crimes. Cartels seem to be doing that a lot. A man claiming to be a newly assigned soldier at Fort Hood is facing federal charges after he allegedly accepted a smuggling job through the social media application TikTok. Not the first story we've had on this show of veterans getting suckered into smuggling people through social media messages. This must be happening all the time. 
Border Patrol agents arrested Richard Pacentes Astudia on Sunday after finding two Mexican citizens hidden inside the trunk of his vehicle as he tried to pass through a Falfurious checkpoint, according to a criminal complaint. Falfurious, that's the checkpoint he was going through. It must be a place. Fort Hood, the Army base in Killeen, Texas, and public information officials there did not immediately return a call seeking to confirm whether the man was actually a soldier. Pacentes was charged with bringing in and harboring aliens. According to the affidavit, Pacentes entered the primary inspection lane at the checkpoint near Falfurius in a gray Volkswagen Passat about 3.35 p.m. Sunday, 1535. Pacentes and his passenger told agents they were heading to Fort Hood because they were newly assigned to the Army post and wanted to explore Texas. So they drove down to the Rio Grande Valley for the day, the affidavit said. So their claim was that they're just privates in Fort Hood and they wanted to check out Texas, so they cruised down to the Rio Grande for the day to go explore and they were on their way back to the barracks to go eat at the DFAC and get ready for PT. <laughs> yeah, right. The primary agent noticed there was no luggage in the vehicle that would indicate they had been on a trip. When asked if there was anything in the truck, Pacentes told agents no and agreed to let them search the truck. Agents found two people hidden inside. Both admitted they were Mexican citizens illegally present in the U.S., in a principal statement provided by, by the affidavit, Pacentes said he was in his room in the barracks on Fort Hood scrolling through TikTok when he contacted someone advertising a $5,000 payment for transporting people to Houston. Yeah, these social media companies are really legit, right? Glad that they're controlling the information that we see every day. Meanwhile, I've got strikes on TikTok for talking about important stories in the military. My account's about to get banned, and uh, we've got people smuggling human beings across the border and TikTok's cool with that. TikTok is bad. Facebook is bad. Instagram is bad. Those are the bad guys. I'm doing business with them right now. I'm using Google because I'm on YouTube. I'm going to post this story to TikTok later. I do business with the bad guys. I get that. It's the cost of doing business, so to speak. Otherwise, I couldn't say anything to anybody. It's a, it's a, it's a juggling act. Pacentes said he and his friend drove down to McAllen as instructed by the person online and arrived 7 p.m. Saturday. They tried different food places before sleeping in Pacentes' vehicle for about an hour. Pacentes re received a text message at 7 a.m. the next day from the person telling him to rendezvous at a car wash where they were instructed to clean out the trunk of his vehicle in order to load the two Mexican citizens. One of those individuals told investigators that he had a hard time breathing while in the truck and there was no means of escape. As for the friend, the complaint didn't name or provide any other details. Pacentes was scheduled to make his initial appearance in Corpus Christi before Magistrate Judge Mitchell Nurok Tuesday morning, court records indicate. So what do you think about this, guys? What do you think about people advertising for human smugglers on TikTok and military members taking the deal? What should happen to them? Have you ever heard of anything like this? Let me know in the comment section because that's where all the good stuff happens there. Harry says, announce your crimes on Facebook and TikTok. Yep, please, please keep doing that. I wonder how the FBI doesn't find those ads and go meet up at the rendezvous. Yes, sir, says 5K, what a waste. Agreed. John says 0335, nothing good happens after midnight. That has to be the work of Cav Scout or Tanker. <laughs> if that person's a true soldier. If that person's a true soldier. Um, let's see. A lot of negative stuff comes out of Hood, it seems like. Yeah, I think that that's true. Those two aren't very smart, are they? I don't think that they are. So I've got one more uh, story before we get to Adam Driver, um, Marine Corps veteran slash actor, but Marine private uh, primarily. And it's this like crazy, insane um, story involving an Air Force veteran. And it's, it's maybe something that we could action here on the Scuttlebutt Show. Let me know. What do you guys think about this? Many mysteries remain. We've got a mystery here. In strange case of Air Force veterans strangled with a zip tie in California. Michelle Silva believes her kid brother would want her to stop trying to learn the details of his death in LaGrange seven years ago because he wouldn't want her to suffer the emotional damage that uh, this is causing. I am thinking he is up there in heaven saying, I'm gone, don't go through this effort, Silva said of her bro brother Robert Cope. But Michelle can't shake the alarm she felt when she learned her brother died in the same fashion as his girlfriend seven years before with a zip tie around his neck. So hang on. You did just hear that correctly. This young man who was found strangled. Well, he's not a young man. He was 53. But this man found strangled to death with a zip tie 
had his girlfriend strangled to death with a zip tie seven years ago. What are the chances? She cannot stop wondering whether his killer was someone he knew or a desperate stranger her brother stopped to help on the side of a rural road. And as the oldest sister who helped her disabled mother raise her siblings, Michelle can't help but feel somehow she could have protected her brother. On October 7, 2015, Cope, 53 years old, was found lying in the fetal position in the tall, dry weeds along the side of LaGrange Road. His motorcycle was on its side about a quarter mile away. His possessions were scattered near his body, a pair of pants, a phone charger, gloves, a broken cell phone, a disposable camera, and the bag they'd been in. Cope's driver's license lay right next to his head atop a red coin purse. When Silva learned her brother was strangled with a zip tie, she immediately thought of the woman he was dating back in 2008 who was also found dead with a zip tie around her neck, which is insane. The night before her death, the woman asked Cope to stay over, but he declined because he had to get up early in the morning. He felt terrible thinking if I'd only stayed, and her family kind of treated him as persona non grata, which means like someone that you don't like. Persona non grata is like a person that's not really welcome or like somebody you don't want to have around. Being the last person who saw her alive, the police looked at him quite in depth. Ultimately, he was ruled out, and his girlfriend's death was classified a suicide that she killed herself with those zip ties. After her brother's death, Silva questioned if detectives in the former girlfriend's case got it wrong and if her death in Copes could be connected. Because what are the chances that there's two people killed with zip ties and that's not related? I don't know. I don't know. That was one of the things that really stood out for us, said Stanislaus County Sheriff's Office Detective Jesse Tovar. It did raise some red flags. Imagine being the police and you're like, I don't know, I'm getting a funny feeling about this one. All right, great job, detective, yeah. Uh, but detectives read reports in the former girlfriend's case. It appeared to be a coincidence, said Tovar, who investigates cold cases and took over Cope's case last year, which I don't, I can't, that's unbelievable. He said the former girlfriend had a history of mental health issues, including previous suicide attempts. Investigators concluded Cope's death couldn't have been a suicide due to several factors, but primarily how tightly the zip tie was cinched around his neck. It would have been very difficult for him to achieve that on his own. So they're saying that the girlfriend who was killed with a zip tie, they did conclude that hers was a suicide, but that his had signs that it was a foul play involved. Also, there was no indication he was in some kind of mental distress. He was on his way home in San Jose when he died. He checked in with his current girlfriend several times throughout the trip, and he had planned scheduled a job interview the following day, a dentist appointment a day after that, and a family reunion a few weeks later. He was an avid motorcyclist, and he was on one of his regular rides. He was an easygoing, go-with-the-flow guy, her, brother, her sister said. We have had one of those normal childhoods uh, in the 60s. We got up in the morning and ran out and played and didn't come back until dark. The middle child, Robert, was an easygoing personality. He was adaptive. He could go with the flow. He knew his way around an engine. Um, one of his first jobs as a mechanic at a Ford dealership. After that, he joined the Air Force and served as an airplane mechanic for four years. Following his service, he worked as a facilities engineer, which gave him the opportunity to move to the Bay Area. He was at one with the place. He said he had never been anywhere he enjoyed more than the Bay Area. He met dozens of other motorcyclists, went on rides, and take solo trips. So he was an avid motorcyclist, as it says. He would go out on trips. This is pretty normal to do. So did he encounter somebody on the side of the road and maybe somebody, you know, flagging him down for some help and it was a setup? I don't know. I don't know. He was riding alone the day he was killed on his way home from Oroville, where he'd stayed with a racing buddy. A text, a photo of blackberries, and a final call. Cope's girlfriend of two years provided to be an account of her last contacts with him in the hours before he was killed. It's so weird. She's still too distraught to be interviewed for this story and asked to remain anonymous. She provided answers to questions from the B in an email. At 6.30 in the morning on October 6th, he texted his girlfriend that he was packing up and planned to stop at a Starbucks before he hit the road. Four hours later, he texted her a photo of a blackberry bush, a fruit that they both enjoyed. Sometime between 11 and 11.30, he called his girlfriend to say he was near Grass Valley and planned to go fishing at a lake. Cope told his girlfriend he didn't know if he'd stay there overnight, but texted shortly after they hung up that he'd remembered an appointment he had the next day and confirmed he planned to come home. That was the last time she'd hear from him. At 7.30 p.m., she sent him a text asking him to call her and let her know when he would be home. Rob had a different idea about time when he was on his bike, so it didn't seem out of character for him to be late. But as time passed, with no word, she began to worry. And by mid-morning, October 7th, she was frantic. Could you imagine? It's always nerve-wracking when somebody's on a long drive, right? You guys all know the feeling. A loved one's on a long drive. Maybe that you start imagining they're getting fatigued. They're dozing off. They go around a corner. They don't adjust. They end up in an accident. The worst fear is that a loved one's on the side of the road, stuck or something like that, and they're alone and they can't call for help. 
when people miss their miss their check-in times or miss their arrival time, your mind starts, I don't know, I don't know about you guys, but my mind starts to wander like that. Does yours, when you know somebody, a loved one especially, is out there on the road, do you start to worry? Around the time that this was going on, a man went into the LaGrange market and told the clerk he saw what he thought was a dead motorcyclist along LaGrange Road. The clerk called her mother, who was driving with another woman in the area. They spoke to the B in 2015, said they found Cope on the side of the road, saw a zip tie around his neck and called 911. Medical personnel responded to the scene and pronounced him dead. That was, uh, the deputies were dispatched at 1053 in the morning. Silva, whom Cope's girlfriend had con contacted, eventually called a niece who worked for the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation and provided her with the license plate number for Cope's motorcycle. Several hours later, the niece called Silva. She didn't tell her what happened, but gave her the name of the lead detective who broke the news of the death. His phone was found in the off position, something I think about a lot, the girlfriend said. Before we hang up, I reminded him to turn his phone off to save battery in case he had an emergency on the road. Normally, Rob would turn his phone off while riding anyway, but I wonder if his phone had been on, would it have made a difference? It was both preventative and prophetic in hindsight. That's crazy. Cope's girlfriend told police everything she knew, like Cope's usual route back from North Carolina and the communication they had, and she did everything she could to help. She, along with Cope's friend from Orville, hung posters with Cope's photo in the place he banner might have gone hoping it would generate clues. They posted them at businesses between Sonora and LaGrange, including a motorcycle repair shop, a Valero gas station. They talked to a manager who recognized Cope from the picture, but they still couldn't uh, They still couldn't figure out who did this or anything, and, and nobody really could help them develop any clues. A number of other motorcycle motorists passed Cope before the man told the cashier about the body, but maybe they didn't see him. The man didn't stick around the market, so detectives released his photo to the public in order to locate him. Tovar said the person of interest is a woman who stopped at the scene and took Cope's helmet after seeing reports of Cope's death. She contacted detectives and returned his helmet. She told them she never saw Cope's body and didn't take anything else, which that's very weird to take a motorcycle helmet, but I guess she was ruled out as a suspect. Uh, Tovar said it appeared, by the way, things were scattered, that someone had rummaged through his belongings. He said he, it's unknown if anything other than the helmet was taken. Detectives interviewed other close contacts of Cope, but Tovar thinks it is unlikely his killer is someone he knew because of the where it happened. Just so weird. He was 115 miles from home. So strange. As far as motives, Tovar said it could have been road rage, it could have been a robbery, or it could have been anything, really. It's unknown how much cash he had on him, and at least the question of why someone knew or believed he had cash if he was robbed. There wasn't a lot of activity on Cope's credit card, so it's possible someone saw him with cash, just assumed he had some. Tovar said a few moments before he was killed, an older man was run off the road and robbed of a significant amount of money that he just won at one of the casinos in the area, but there was no indication Cope had gone to any casino. So this was a, maybe a dangerous area. There are definitely scenarios that is just trying to figure out which one fits our crime scene with the evidence we have. Will they ever solve this case? I really doubt it, but the sister is still after a some justice. Cases become cold because there's no more leads. I need people to come forward and try to resolve this for the victim as well as his family. Silva said she shared her brother's story in hopes that it will help solve his killing and give her some peace. If I can keep one person from losing a loved one in a terrible fashion like this, then it's worth it. If you or someone you know knows anything about this, please call uh, Tovar at 209-525-7080 or the Stanislaus Area Crime Stoppers at 209-521-4636. They're offering a $12,000 reward too. So what do you guys think? A very mysterious case of this Air Force veteran, middle-aged guy, just traveling, just trying to enjoy his time when he gets mysteriously and unbelievably coincidentally killed in the same fashion as his girlfriend died seven years earlier. What do you guys think about this? Let me know in the comments down below. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. That's insane. Um... Of all the of all the things in the world that could have happened to this guy, he gets killed, murdered in the same fashion as his girlfriend, you know, theoretically committed suicide years earlier. It seems impossible. Seems impossible. Uh, let's see what's going on in the comments here. Zip tie killer on the loose. Yasser says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Harry Lyon Pie says, Texas governor sending buses of illegals to New York for free. There you go. Why do they need the army? This is quite a damn mystery. Gruesome to hear. Someone to go out like this, Nugget says. Tiffany says, yeah, my mind does wander like that. Sadly, I hate hearing stuff like this if you loved one's mind ride. I know. Especially on motorcycles, right? Eviana, wrong place, wrong time. That's uh, putting it lightly, I think. So, one more thing today. One more thing. 
By the way, just read the cisterna part of Buy Water Beneath the Walls, and it's crazy. Oh, yeah. That's just the beginning, Nuggets. That's the beginning. That's the start of this, how great that book is. If you guys have not already gotten your copy of Buy Water Beneath the Walls by Ben Milligan, I recommend uh, doing that uh, immediately. You can even pause this episode and go to Amazon and buy Buy Water Beneath the Walls by Ben Milligan. You can go listen to his Scuttlebutt Show episode or his Jocko episode or any of his other appearances. He's a brilliant mind. He's an incredible speaker. And every time he talks, I listen because it's always worth hearing. So please, 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 I implore you, get your copy of Buy Water Beneath the Walls by Ben Milligan. You will not be sorry. If you have any interest in military history or history in general, you will not be sorry. Another person who's playing their part in history is, uh, is my man, Adam Driver. Adam Driver. From light duty to lightsabers, Marine veteran Adam Driver plays a professor of Hitler studies in his upcoming Netflix movie. When I saw that headline, I thought, say what? It turns out that this Marine veteran with a passion for the arts who is helping veterans get into creative arts and acting now has a brand new movie coming out based off of a book. And there's a trailer. Let's talk about it and let's react to this upcoming movie, White Noise. Marine Corps veteran Adam Driver stars in White Noise, a movie that finally brings Don DeLillo's influential 1985 novel to the screen after nearly four decades of failed attempts. That's 40 years, folks. The film will premiere at the Venice Film Festival in August and New York Film Festival in October before streaming on Netflix later this fall. Driver again works with writer and director Noah Baumbach after their huge success with the 2019 movie Marriage Story, which was awesome. If you guys haven't seen Marriage Story, it's quite good, I got to say. Go check that out. Uh, I think you will uh, not regret it for sure. It is not about the military, but it's just an overall good movie. White Noise tells the story of Jack Gladney, who is played by Driver, a professor of Hitler studies at a small liberal arts college somewhere in the Midwest. Both Jack and his wife, his fifth wife, Babette, have an irrational fear of death. And the trailer, we're going to watch that in a minute. Things get focused when there's an airborne toxic event after a massive chemical spill. The threat of death is no longer abstract, so now their fears have been realized, and Gladney must work out how to cope with the reality instead of just the idea. The novel is a black comedy, much funnier than the plot description would suggest. The movie also stars Don Cheadle, who is great, Jody Turner-Smith, and Andre Benjamin, a.k.a. Andre 3000. Outcast. I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. Ooh. Alternative rock fans may have just realized that the Airborne Toxic event, best known for the song Sometime Around Midnight and All I Ever Wanted, was named after the novel, which I didn't know until I read this article. So if you're fans of the Airborne Toxic event and they're on your iTunes playlist or whatever, that's where they got their name was this book, White Noise. Driver, who broke through in Hollywood when he played Kylo Ren in the most recent series of Star Wars movies, continues to make risky and interesting choices in his acting career. Good for him. I love actors who do stuff like that. I really, really do. I hate people who just play it safe like The Rock and Kevin Hart. I don't hate them. I watch their movies, but they're checklist movies. You know, they're they're by the beats. Uh, you know exactly what you're going to get. And that's cool. It's a Saturday night. You put on an old, reliable Kevin Hart rock movie or Mark Wahlberg or whatever, Will Ferrell, and you're good. You're fine. But people out there, the few who are saving cinema, like really just rescuing it, like Adam Driver, I appreciate that. He made uh, The Last Duel, House of Gucci, and he's currently filming Ferrari, in which he plays legendary car designer Enzo Ferrari for Mike for the director Michael Mann. And we'll follow that up with Megalopolis and all-star production director Francis Ford, Francis Ford Coppola. So if you guys like Adam Driver, I hope that you do. Let me know what your favorite Adam Driver movie is in the comments. And let's jump over and react to the new trailer for the upcoming Adam Driver Netflix movie, White Noise. This should be good. They don't look scared in the Crown Victoria. Yeah, they're laughing. These guys aren't laughing. Where? In the country square. What does it matter what they're doing in other cars? I want to know how scared I should be. Life is good, Jack. As long as the children are here, we're safe. 
May the days be aimless. Let the seasons drift. Do not advance the action according to a plan. Coming soon. All right, so... You know, I guess that's a that's like a first trailer. That's like a teaser trailer for the trailer. Um, I'm excited because I like Adam Driver. I think good for him. Not only does he always, uh, you know, talk about the Marines, his time in the Marines is a positive experience, but he goes on to serve veterans with his, you know, what is it? Arts in the uh, Arts in the Armed Forces program where he brings, I think that's what it's called, uh, where he brings veterans in onto the stage and helps them write and act and get into theater. He really seems to love the craft. And for that reason, I'm down with Adam Driver. I hope that this movie is another hit for him and uh, and that it comes out pretty good. It looks interesting. It looks very period piece. You can tell by the hair and by the jackets, like the, you got some members only jackets or something going on, some Columbia or some champion jackets with some colors like that uh, old parachute thing that used to bounce up as a kid and then you would run underneath and like catch all the air and you would sit in your little dome and then run out the other side. Basically people were wearing that as like their full head to toe clothing pattern there too. So we'll see. It'll be an interesting one for sure. Um, I never read the book. If you did read the book, I'm curious your thoughts on how this could be made into a movie. Would you think it'll be funny? Do you think it'll be serious? Do you think it'll be, it'll suffer from Netflix's, uh, because Netflix didn't make it, they bought the rights to it, but Netflix just has this horrible thing recently of just being the most politically charged content, and I hope it's not that. I hope it is true to the, even if it is politically charged, I hope it's true to the original intent of the book, which is set in 1985, so that should be quite a bit different from today um, with the way it talks about things, maybe in a more thoughtful way, but yeah, it looks interesting. Let me know what you guys think about that in the comments down below. And that's going to wrap it up. That's going to be our Monday, folks. Uh, Nugget says, I love Adam. Marriage Story is amazing. Uh, Adam is the man, Sam says. Nugget says, my favorite Adam Driver movie would be Logan Lucky. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, let's see. OMG, was that the 80s? Eviana says, yes, it was. Harry Lion Pie says, look strange and unusual. Very Stranger Things-esque. Tiffany said, any news on my book? I was just talking about this with somebody the other day. I wrote a whole book, um, start to finish, and then... In editing, I was, and then I read Bywater Beneath the Walls, and I was like, I really need to uh, work on this a little bit more. So I'm kind of doing a rewrite, and I'm doing interviews with people, and I'm doing a lot of cool things, and I think it'll be, it's, I mean, it's definitely gonna be better for it. Thank you guys for asking. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I spent the whole summer, last summer and, and winter writing it, and now I'm gonna basically uh, rework it quite a bit, um, almost the entire thing probably. But it's all going to be worth it, and I appreciate you asking. So with all that being said, thank you guys very much for joining me on this Monday. I hope your week's off to a good start, as well as uh, I hope you join me tomorrow for a brand new Scuttlebutt show. It's going to be just a big week. You know, we got a big week, a lot of cool stuff going on. I hope that you guys are digging it. As always, check out the links in the description. You can go to scuttlebuttshow.com and buy some of the cool Scuttlebutt merch designed by me for you and for me because I wear all my own stuff. But today I'm wearing Protective Brewery. If you guys like beer, you can go check that out, especially if you're in the SoCal area. Go give them a shout. Let them know Max sent you. With all that being said, I look forward to talking to you all very soon. For now, that's the Scuttlebutt.